Welcome back to Cow Punchers, where the beer is warm, the women cold, and the bullets fly thick. I'm your host, Stuart Kaufman. I am your other host, Amy McLeod. And this week we watched Magnificent Seven 2016, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Or Fuqua. I probably butchered his name. He's known for other crime films like uh, Training Day. So a Western should fit right in. And boy, how did he. Boy, how he did it. Well, it was good. Uh, this is the first time I've seen this particular film. I know we, we watched the, what, 1960 yeah, version last the, time? Some would call it the original version, but as some would say... not you know, the original, well... Because there was an earlier... Uh, it was based on a character that was Seven Samurai. Indeed. So it was very fun, I think, to watch the um, 1960 version uh, and then watch the 2016, because it was neat to see the similarities and the differences. It's it's also the best form of a remake in that it, it, it takes an original piece of work, or sort of, and really improves upon it, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and it, I mean, I think the strength of The Magnificent Seven, there have been a lot of adaptations. Mm. Apparently, when we were looking for this, there's apparently a television show, which I was I was asking for in the last episode. Yeah, 22 so, episodes of White Dudes. So I may have to watch that, <laughs> I, but... Um, it's such a simple story. It's truly just like, you know, the good versus evil. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing like a straight recap, since it was basically the same story with a few differences. Absolutely. I think we'll we'll kind of mix it up and talk about the similarities and differences as we go through. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think the first thing you can uh, really nail down is the Magnificent Sevens uh, themselves in that... Uh, a much more diverse cast, and I think that really plays to the strength of what the uh, gunfighters are supposed to be, which are outcasts, outlaws, you know, you know, people living on the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Amy, you want to tell us, tell us those guys? Sure. So our Magnificent Seven this time, uh, we still have our man in black, this time played by Denzel Washington. His Who? name was Sam Chisholm. Mm-hmm. Chisholm? Chisholm, yeah. Um, and I think he did a pretty good job... Um, in the, I guess, the Yul Brynner parallel role. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was very good in a Western, but, I mean, Denzel has that great, like, I mean, he can just stare you down in an mm-hmm. action film. You oh, know, you just make him the lead in any kind of action thing. So I thought he did a good job. You know, he still had, he kind of had a loose connection to the other seven that they were picking up. Oh, yeah. He was the glue that oh, yeah. held everyone together. Mm-hmm. Um, our number two was Chris Pratt, who was uh, Josh Faraday. Um, so he kind of played the, um, the Steve McQueen stand in, but, uh, but more, it was more like they mixed Steve McQueen with the kid. Yeah. He was still kind of a, he's kind of a jerk, but kind of a shit. Yeah. You, you know, he's trying to pick on everybody's nerves, but you know, still good with a gun. Oh, like your husband. He's just kind of, just kind of, <laughs> kind of a troll. <laughs> you know, right. Just picking on everybody. Um, so he was kind of the drunk SOB mm-hmm. of the group. Oh, yeah. Uh, but still somehow a little bit charming. It was like a, a real piece of shit yeah. with, a, with a heart of gold. But you're like, he's all right sometimes. <laughs> then we had Vasquez. Vasquez? Vasquez. Vasquez. He's a vaquero um, on the lamb. Yeah, man on the lamb. So he was pretty cool, too. He had a lot of run-ins with Chris Pratt's Faraday. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had the duo, our Cajun... Robichaud by good, Ethan Hawke. Good night, Robichaud. Yeah. Good night, Robichaud, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know that I noticed much of a Cajun accent this time either. He kind of had a, 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 a southern drawl, though. A little bit, yeah. yeah. So I guess we took the Yule Brenner's quote unquote Cajun. Of Chris Adams. <laughs> and Chris, it, Chris Adams from Accounts Receivable. Right. And we <laughs> put it on Good Night, Robichaud. Which, yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a guy who's in a Western. Yeah, and he was more or less like the city slicker kind of guy, dressed a little nicer. A lot of book learning. Um, right, using big words. And he was um, with, uh, paired up with our knife guy, known as Billy Rocks, mm-hmm. which, let me tell you, Billy does rock. He was super cool. Yeah, yeah knives and shit. Um, yeah, kind of playing it off, I guess, as like a, an immigrant from I don't know where. Uh, it's presumed from Japan, yeah. Uh, even though the actor is from Korea, but hell, hell he could have been Korean. Oh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, but he kind of going off the sword play, like really fancy <laughs> knives. So we kind of had our knife guy, which I very much enjoyed knife guy in the first movie, so I was happy to have another knife guy. Right. Fewer, fewer naps, though. Far no, fewer naps. Not as many naps. Um, he was a, a lot more alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, really seemed to be like a good number two to uh, Robichaud. Like they were totally... Uh, best friends or you know there was some connection there that was uh keeping them together because it was like wherever wherever i go he comes and you know so 
Billy and uh, Goodnight were hanging out. Our number, oh, that's uh, So five. that's five. Uh, then we had Jack Horn, who I particularly enjoyed. I was referring to him as Bear Man because he kind of looks like a bear. Huge bear of a man. At one point, uh, 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 Faraday, uh, Chris Pratt's character, s- s- comments that like that bear wearing, is wearing people's clothes. Yes, and that's kind of, <laughs> and he kind of has a little bit of a high-pitched voice and... Um, you know, it's not entirely uh, put together upstairs. I guess you could no, say maybe yeah. maybe a little too much time up in the mountains. Who knows? Yeah, he's definitely reminds you of someone who's maybe spent too much time alone <laughs> um, in the country. Uh, but I enjoyed his character. And then we had a Comanche uh, fellow round out to number seven, and his name was Red Harvest. We did have to look it up. They did, I believe they said his name like one time in the film, so I yeah. did not remember what it was. I, I thought he was talking about like a, like a ceremony or something, because he says that when they when uh, they bite into a, a oh, uh, liver right. of, yeah, yeah. for a deer. But that was him being like, here, bite this deer liver. We're friends now. <laughs> My name is Red Harvest. And I was like, that name is really cool in retrospect. <laughs> um so that was that was pretty cool. Um, so that's our seven. The story is a little bit different. I know in the first one it was a Mexican village with some banditos who'd come by and steal their food. So these poor villagers are starving. Mm-hmm. In this case, the battle between good and evil is much more stark. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, a comment I made is that uh, P- Peter Skarsgård stars as the uh, the vi- principal villain here, a guy named Bogue. a mining robber baron named Bogue. Uh, he, I, I would call him absolutely sinister. Yeah, because it's like, okay, in the first movie, right, these banditos, yeah, they come through, terrorize the town, steal their food, but this guy is like... He's robbing these people of their livelihood. Yeah, you know? like, well, it, it's it's kind of almost like the 80s trope where there's like, oh, an evil land developer an trying to kick these man. people out of their town, and <laughs> it's like, well, there, there you have it. He's trying to kick them all out of their little valley, and apparently, you know, they kind of allude to the fact that... Uh, you know, I'm sure they traveled there mm-hmm. um, from a great far away, great far away land to start this town. And um, there's it opens with him coming into the church and basically saying, like, look, I'm going to give you pennies for your land or I'm going to kill you. So and he may, and he does this bad guy thing of being like, in this country, we say capitalism is almost synonymous with democracy and, and the Lord and God. And you're standing against God by not giving me your land, you pieces of shit, <laughs> by not letting me rob you. So it was kind of a parallel to. The beginning of the the first one where the um, yeah Eva, Eli Wallach's uh, was it Cava uh, uh, Calvera yeah it comes in and is basically like life's tough give me all your shit right so, can imagine how tough it is for me having to take shit from you like yeah. it's so hard exactly and said Bogue is kind of like going around the being like no one's gonna remember what you do here so why don't you just give me your shit right like <laughs> really is this is all this trouble worth it to you I mean I'm going to be wealthy why why that's are you standing that, in my way that's all that matters here exactly. all that matters is I make a lot of cash. And then yeah. you, I don't know you you die or something. Yeah. What is it that poor people do? Right. I don't care. Yeah. And, and like uh, the actor does a really great job of constantly looking really annoyed, as if he's like, "Look, we all know I'm gonna win and be super rich, so why can't we just move it on, move it along?" Yeah. Um, he's he's vile. And yeah. Like you just hate him like minute one, mm-hmm. and you're just like he's the worst. And and I think that's the sign of a good villain of a good actor yeah. too. Is like you just love to hate him. They're like, oh man, yeah. I cannot wait to see him get filled full of lead. Yeah. So and and while he's in the church, you see a young couple. So the the the, the girl who will soon be a pretty integral part of the film and uh, her husband. Uh, the Cullens, Emma. Uh, I've missed her Emma, husband. Uh, Emma. Well, spoiler alert: he dies. <laughs> but anyway, they're in the church, and you can see like her husband's kind of looking like, I gotta do something, and she's like, Don't. Do anything. Just be careful. Just yeah, like, watch, watch it. it. Yeah. And then, like, finally, after you know, the the bad guys burn the church down, which that's a really great way to ingratiate yourself to really anybody in town. Just mm-hmm. burn a building down. Oh, absolutely. The, the church that everybody goes to. They love that. And so he's basically like, well, you know, what are these people ever like? Basically, doing the exasperated like. Why are you doing this? Like, we're just trying to live our lives. Right, right. And, like, she's, like, looking at her husband, like, why are you putting a... Just shut your pole. (laughs) Shut your pole. So then our Bogue comes through and just... Doesn't even. I don't even think he says anything. I think he just goes up and shoots him. Yeah, he he he, he lingers there for a moment, like sweeps. Like he's his, gonna say something. Sweeps his coat back, and he looks at Mr. Cullen. He's like, unarmed. He, like he just like he just said something stupid. That that that's the kind of look he had. Just be like, 
You just, just wasted up. my time by saying something inane and then just like casually draws his gun and shoots him yeah, in the chest. Yeah, like there's no need to do that. Like if you're going to be evil robber berry guy, just you just ignore these people. Right, that's why they invented lawyers. Right, just go away. Just but, get, get yourself an army of lawyers and just throw these people out. But then of course, you know, our, our Emma Cullen is now distraught because they, they done kill, killed her husband. They killed her husband. And killed him Killed him dead. She's not having any of it. Oh no, so. she's... Uh, she's... So then, basically, we kind of go into the the plot where she's trying to um, hire some people to help defend the town because he's like, "I'll be back in three weeks, so either sell me your land for you know twenty bucks, twenty bucks, or I'll just take it." And then you hear somebody shout like, "Our land's worth at least three times that!" I'm like, okay, we see what we're getting into here. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. So he's not giving them a fair price, and clearly, it's not great business practice. He's going to get a very poor review on Yelp. Exactly, which is like, which is really hard to read because it's in, in that day and age, it's all in, it's all all telegraphed. Right. You go to the saloon and talk to old Yelp, <laughs> and he tells you how things are. <laughs> oh yeah, there you Yelp here. Yeah, you got old Yelp who's going to tell you which livery stable to park your horse. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he which, off. Which saloon is the best to get thrown through the front window? Right. <laughs> oh, I ain't allowed in that saloon. <laughs> His best windows to get thrown through. <laughs> Very cheaply yeah. made. They break easy. Right. They fall real good. Dirt's <laughs> nice and soft outside that window. Which, man, this if, if you like Western tropes, this is the movie for you. Because, oh, man, they break so many windows. It's good. There are so many saloons without windows because of this film. Yeah. So, let's see. Yeah, so basically we have our greedy land developer, we have our conflict, and then we kind of go into collecting the Magnificent Seven. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I thought was, I really like Denzel's character. One thing that's kind of, I like the Magnificent Seven, but I feel like you don't get enough time with each character, Mm -hmm. because there's seven of them. This is true. And uh, and maybe that's part of the reason that these movies resonate with people, because you want to learn more about them, but there's not enough time, so I mean, you can kind of... Do a lot of headcanon. Yeah, it's and I and I like that. I like, I like a bit it. of the mystery. Yeah, you know? like not explaining everything's kind of nice, but um, we have uh, Denzel Sam come in. Um, he's introduced while Chris Pratt is he's, playing he's some cards. He is a sworn um, warrant officer. He does say this several times, which I kind of like that as part of his character. Is like, well, I'm a sworn warrant officer uh, so, in Kansas. Uh, I, I thought it was an interesting historical thing. He he calls. Arkansas, and I didn't notice this the first uh, time, as he calls it Arkansas. Uh, he does? I didn't notice that. So if our, any of our listeners are from Arkansas, uh, please comment below also and tell us what the hell that means. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but um, basically, he's in town to pick up a criminal, mm-hmm. as, is, as is his job, and turns out it's the barman. Yeah. And what I liked about that is, you know, he kind of does that thing where... In westerns, you see this in westerns. Sometimes you see it in cop movies too, where the good guy's kind of like, "Yeah, I'm looking for this guy," but you like know that the guy he's looking for is the guy he's talking to. Oh he's yeah, he's just doing this to like kind of unsettle psych- him, unsettle him, psych him out, like look him over, make sure he's got the right guy. Yeah. Right, yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, looks like you, ugly, <laughs> ugly. guy, no, he's huge, like, huge, stupid mustache, huge, stupid guy." And um, basically, then it's the fun part is getting to see the criminal putting the pieces together. That like, oh my god, I'm, he knows it's me. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get trouble. arrested or shot. Yeah, and the the barman. I like this quote. This has a lot of good one-liners and some back and forths. Mm-hmm. And this was one of my favorites. Was uh, the guy's like, "I've got a family, Mister," and Sam says. They're better off without you. And I was <laughs> like, oh, damn. That's another great thing about this oh, movie. Damn. is It is just top to bottom filled with some of the best it's got, one-liners. It's got some great Western dialogue. Like, yeah. You know, the, the stuff I crave when I watch a Western. Which, if anybody listening really likes Western novels, I, I highly advise you to pick up something written by Elmore Leonard. Uh, he doesn't just do Westerns. Also, he doesn't do anything else because he's dead now. Um, oh. <laughs> but he... Never once have I picked up one of his novels, read the dialogue, and thought to myself, no one talks that way. Yeah. And this was one of those films. Like, there is no jilted dialogue. Everything yeah, it was all just sounded like, good. It all sounded good. Like, even though, like even like that, I was like, ooh, that just makes... Because he's like, <laughs> is a clever guy. Like, yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. they have characters say clever things that aren't... Mm-hmm. And the, the characters themselves aren't clever. But this one, it was like all the dialogue matched each character. Oh, yeah. Which was really cool. I, I might know it was good cowboy talk. Oh, yeah. Excellent cowboy talk. Yeah, like, um, I know uh, 
Chris Chris Pratt as Faraday. Um, he got held up by a couple of yokels. <laughs> a couple of... Which was really funny. I enjoyed that moment. Well, that's what uh, prompted me to write the Elmore Leonard comment, is yeah. just because their back and forth is so much like what you read in one of his novels. Especially, like, it's like, I'm the two-gun... I'm, I'm the two-gun kid now. That's what you call me. And be like... It's like, that's not your name, Earl. And then... Uh, Earl's compatriot Dickie just says he's Earl's just pissed that his name his mama named him that. He just pissed his mama named him Earl. And <laughs> you know, and uh Faraday distracts them with some sleight of hand magic <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh that was that was pretty cool. Um Yeah, so I mean we pick up all the seven um and they definitely, you know, they roll into the town and they kind of clean it out of the people who are stationed there, yeah. the bad guys who are stationed there. And unlike in nineteen the 1960 version, uh, what you have happen is they go in and uh, they, rather than, yeah, rather than 1960, where they're just like complaining, like, these people didn't come out to visit us, which we all, both Amy and I agreed that, like, well, maybe, they were, they? Th- maybe they were at work. Right, yeah, <laughs> they actually did call everybody out, because they were farming and mm-hmm. doing stuff, and also there was just a huge gunfight, so maybe they're scared. Yeah, exactly. Like, in the six, 1960 version, they just show up, there's no gunfight until right. later. Right, there's, but, like, just seven heavily armed men. Right, yeah, town. and be like, oh, great, a new set of bandits. But this one, they were like, oh, okay, there's a huge fight, let's maybe hide till it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do get the montage of them trying to train up mm-hmm. the, the people, and... Um, get the town ready they put up their home alone-esque traps <laughs> which were actually much more ingenious than just be like well we have a little veil here let's, let's just ha- hang up a net yeah like no like they're, they're they trenches it's a mining town as well yeah so they get some dynamite they lay some traps they, they a lot more explosions in this movie than 1960 which i i like explosions so mm-hmm. i enjoyed it and, th- and they these were um properly leveled explosions too to what you might expect in 1879 Really? I, yeah, I have no idea. I can't exactly. Dynamite. It's, dynamite. It's, exactly. It's not like you could just have a car blow up for no reason. Cause you can't do that with a horse. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Horses don't explode. <laughs> On, regularly. I don't know. Yeah, in, in my experience. Oh, the other one-liner we didn't mention um, was when... Uh, was her name Emma? Yes, her quiet fury. She, oh, she, Lord. She, she actually tears so well. up during the delivery of this line because... Uh, Sam so Chisholm with rage. Uh, asks, uh, asks, well, hello, cat. Uh, Cullen, Mrs. Cullen asks, uh, or, um, Chisholm asks Cullen what she's doing this for. Like, is it for revenge? And she says, you want to, you want to? Well, say? yeah, she was basically, it was basically like, oh, because she's like, these men killing people and they killed my husband. And he's like, oh, so you're looking for revenge. And she's like, no, I'm looking for righteousness as we all should, but I'll settle for revenge. And I was like, damn. Damn. Yeah. She's a mad lady. She's mad. And she's like tearing up. And yeah, she's so furious. And she's not, sa- yeah, she, it's not tears of sadness. It's tear of, tears of she's fury. She's like, I want to kill these guys real bad. Can you help me, please? <laughs> exactly. I want to kill them so hard. And then um, she does mention the name of the guy, because, spoiler alert, there is a connection to the villain, to mm-hmm. our titular. Oh, yeah, yeah, to, to, titular, to, 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 our, to Sam. Sam Chisholm, our, no, our number one magnificent. And we learn near the end of the film why he would kind of be willing to give his life for this town. It's revealed that his parents and his, family. his, 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 his sister. Yeah, his, two, his, two sisters. Two sisters and his mom parents. and dad were homesteaders in Kansas, which... Uh, which um, I should point out that that's actually something that happened on the regular. Is you had a lot of freed slaves, you would take um, whatever money you could get your hands on, mm-hmm. and because of the Homestead Act, you could get a ton of free land just by living on it right. for like a year. And the, go- and, the like, now. and then the government would be like, "You, you got two pennies? You know, you got you got, you got a dollar for All us right. to do the paperwork? Great, here. here now it's your land. Now. now it's your land now. Yeah. So a lot of free slaves would go to Kansas and Nebraska and uh, set up farmsteads. Yeah. But then, of course, what you would also have happen is robber barons, people building railroads or whatever, would kill them. Would kill them. And take their land. And say, oh, I don't know what happened here. I don't know. These people are just dead for some reason. Don't mind the smoking gun. Exactly. I don't know where that came from. Well, so, I guess we're going to build a railroad now. So, yeah, it turns out this guy is not only evil to this tiny little town of Rose Creek, but evil uh, his whole life. Mm-hmm. So um, we really don't like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, another good one-liner, not one-liner I wrote down, was, um, I think Vasquez 
said something about, oh, I don't, I don't, because there was a uh, Native American burial uh, site, so it was like the little lattice where they yeah. put the body up high, and he's like, oh, I don't trust anybody who doesn't bury their dead in the ground, and then I can't remember who said it, but somebody said it. was a good Night Rover show, said like, don't call an alligator Big Mouth until you cross the river. <laughs> so it's like, maybe don't insult the people's land that we're on until we're through it. <laughs> you jerk. You big jerk. <laughs> like, let them do what they do until we get through the land, and you can complain about it. Genuine later. southern. Genuine <laughs> southern phrases. Phrases. So... Yeah. Like hook your hook your your thumbs into your lapel and yeah. just draw it on, my good man. Right, like <laughs> Mississippi moonshine. Mississippi moonshine. Good old uh, hot dog on the old plantation. I don't know where I'm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough southern. That's that's terrible. Folksy I do not want to live on a plantation. That sounds terrible. Ter- problematic at best. <laughs> problematic is. I guess the lightest term for it. I always find the word problematic funny because it's such a... (laughs) Nazis are problematic. Like, usually it's used... Like, when people say something's problematic, it's usually when something is very bad and wrong. And I'm like, if you think about the word problematic, it's like, oh, well... This shelf's a little wobbly. That's problematic. I was like, <laughs> exactly. So like, it just said, it's like, oh, no, these are problematic. I was like, I, I don't think that's a strong enough word. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. it's, it's vile. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, they clean out the town, mm-hmm. and then, you know, one of them gets away because Goodnight yeah, has that, some kind of, he's got some PTSD from the Civil War. Yeah, it's later and, mentioned that he was uh, an ace uh, Confederate sharpshooter, at, uh, especially at Antietam, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, for those that don't know, is the, considered the bloodiest single day of the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that'll give uh, probably anybody yeah, PTSD. Yeah, give anybody a problem. So, um, you see, he was having some problems shooting some people, but, uh, you know, he came through. Uh, but, but he was having trouble shooting a guy who got away, and they're like, well, now we only have a week, because that guy got away, and he's going to warn the big bad. Well, not necessarily, because I think they, that was their intention. Because oh. they because they, they also found the the sheriff who was on the payroll. Oh, that's right. They did send him back. My bad. I with, forgot with, about that. With like a real lesson. Yeah. Because the other guy, I think he was just being like, I this is, I this is above my pay grade. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't want to be here anymore. They don't this, pay me enough for this. This is a wild west. I'm gonna go somewhere, change my name, get a new job. Right. Like, okay, <laughs> I'll disappear. I'm gonna be here. So, um, so they get the town ready, and then you know, bad guys show up, and it was a really excellent. I thought it was. One of the nicer shootouts. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've seen in a western. There's a lot of fine shootouts. Just a lot of clever, uh, um, clever uh, camera angles. Damn, it was just it was just pretty. It was nice. It was fun to watch. It was exciting. Uh, they also had a giant Gatling gun, which was also very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my one problem is they went and they got all the women and children and they put them in a basement to, you know, keep them out of the gunfire. But my whole thing was. They should have taken all the kids and just, like, taken them far away. You know? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, because that, that became, I mean, it became a heightened tension moment later when the building that the children are in caught right. fire. And they're like, oh, we got to get the kids out of here. And I was like, why are they here at all? This is true. They also had a mine. Which is, you know, yeah, made out a of mine. rock. Yeah, there's like, they couldn't, like, hole them up in the mine somewhere. Like, yeah. Because I was like, all the, I mean, worst case scenario, the bad guys win. All they want's the land. I mean, I guess maybe they'd kill a bunch of women and children. I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, well, Chisholm does mention, like, later in the film that that's what they do. They're oh, just, okay. like, everybody dies. All right, so, all right, whatever. But anyway, they do save the, the children in the, the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do start to lose, just less in the uh, 1960 version, we lose some of our members of the Magnificent Seven. Um... A lot of them due to the Gatling gun. Uh, so, yeah, don't don't mind me. Okay, sorry. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so they whip out a Gatling gun, which was also really cool to see, though terrifying for our friends. Um, Robichaud and Billy Rocks, the knife mm-hmm. guy, they get taken out by the Gatling gun. Um, Jack Horn, our my the bear man, yeah. he is they. Uh, he actually gets taken out by 
um, uh, an Indian fella uh, working yeah, for an evil, uh, yeah, Comanche who is working for the robber baron Bogue. Right, but this this Indian fella gets taken out by Red Harvest. Red Harvest, who then says, "You're disgrace in Comanche." Yeah, which is it's like, how could you work? Which I mean, really, I mean, why would you work for such a man? Which that uh, you know, kudos to the writers and directors because the Comanche were known as being the badasses of the plains. Uh, yeah, both of Texas. these guys were like scary. Yeah, the the Comanches had a had a um, in a way, they they had a similar um, reputation as the as the Vikings. Like even when like the Spanish rolled in in like the fifteen forties, like yeah. people were you know obviously locals were like we got got to get rid of the Spanish, but they're just like holy shit, the Comanche are even worse. <laughs> right, they're scary. Just just like a, like a high level of like honor and and mm. dignity and like this like the was, Spartans of America. Yeah, they really were. They're just really really cool people. Yeah, so it was really cool to see that you know kind of hatchet throwing mm-hmm. bow work. Oh, yeah. Um, was really cool. He made it through just... The or Comanche guy made it through just fine. Um, who else am I missing? Vas- Vasquez made it through. Okay, he got shot up. Faraday, he had a pretty cool... Um, the way he went out, because basically he's like, we gotta do something about that Gatling gun. So he rides out there. Um, and I'll say, this movie does have a little bit of that I guess a plot armor problem, you might call it, where it's like everybody else takes one bullet and they're like dead instantly. Mm-hmm. But anyone who's one of our heroes can take like five or six yeah. before they're dead. Dramatically die. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like most people, you, know, you shoot him in the side and oh, he's dead. But uh, Chris Pratt, he takes several bullets. Uh, at least three. At least three. And um, he collapses in front of the Gatling gun and um, he kind of fumbles a cigarette into his mouth and... The, the guy there kind of takes pity on him and helps him light it, but little did he know that Chris Pratt had a stick of dynamite on him. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty clever. Um, I was like, way to prey on the bad guy's mercy. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> so um, he does blow him up, which was pretty, pretty that's a pretty great way to go. So, so you're going to go. There are a lot of power moves in this film. A lot of oh, just yeah. like, uh, uh, like when... Uh, Chisholm first rides into this town, Rose Creek. Uh, the, you know, the, the crooked sheriff comes out and be like, "Well, we got to take your guns. It's a town ordinance." And and Chisholm starts like going off and like like saying and just saying a lot of these like 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 oh I'm I'm good for it. I'm all for law and order. I'm all for law and order. Right? Like yeah, it's like he's saying things, but he's saying so much more with how he's saying it. And then like he's unnerving these guys. And then he just like holds out his gun. He's like, "Are you sure you don't want my gun?" He's like, "You can what? take my gun. Why don't you take my gun? I have it right here. Like, it's here. Come and take it. Come and take it." Yeah, he's really <laughs> great at saying things that are non-threatening, but saying them in a really threatening way. Yeah, that you're like, "Oh, okay. I don't want to be anywhere near that guy. <laughs> exactly. like, he's gonna shoot me." <laughs> like, boss, I feel sick. I don't know what. I don't want to take Denzel Washington's gun. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do something. I I don't know if he, he might shoot me or something worse. I'm not sure. <laughs> so yeah, Denzel's really good in this. He has a couple things where. I mean, he's just really good. Especially as this brings us to our final showdown. Yes. With Bogue versus Sam. Right. Uh, so At the church where uh, everything started. So the church was initially burned uh, in the yes. in the opening scene when yep. uh, Mr. Cullen gets, uh, gets shot. Yep. And um, so now Bogue gets one in the leg. Kurt, well, first off, uh, Bogue comes into town with like two of his right-hand men. And... They hear some sound. Hold up, the cat's making noise. Stop making noise, Stop cat. Me. Ariel, go over here. Hold on, I'm gonna throw the cat up. Throw the cat away. Throw the cat go away. This cat away. Throw that cat away. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast without a cat. Apparently. So, there we were. There uh, we were. So, Bogue rides in with two guys. After like you know his his Gatling gun is blown up and and he still looks just like he's frustrated tired. like he's like oh my god how much trouble is this town gonna be like God like, just let me have what like, I want like, do, do you know how much more wealthy I could have been right. if you guys had just like just you let know, me have just it just let me have just it. Give it just let me have it let I could have it give it <sighs> you're making it so hard to kill you guys right. can you just give me your things I mean crying out loud just die already. So he rides in, and there's like a so you got the church, and then across the street, like candy corner from it, is like a, like a little restaurant or something, a dry goods store. And there's like some noise in it, so he like so does, those guys in there does, does that thing. Yeah. The bad guy nod. Like, get in there. Get, get in him. there. So these two uh, 
Pinkerton detectives go over there, and you hear like brief fist fight, gunfire. Like one does the thing where he just like kind of like saunters clomp, out, clomp, saunters out, and then topples over dead. And right, because at first you're like, oh, I guess he got him, and then it's like, nope, nope, he got got. Mm-hmm. And then the second one just like slumps out of a window. window. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I can't, I can't, boss, I'm dead. I'm sorry, boss. Sorry, boss, I'm dead. He's sorry, boss, I'm dead. I died. So he's all mad that, you know, he spent all this money on these people, mm-hmm. and so, uh, they're all dead now. So um, so him and Sam square off at and, the church. And Boke pretends to, like, not know him, and they like, they got their hands on their guns, they're squinting. Yeah, and, it's the, the, and then, you know, they do the, like, oh, quick draw. Oh, yeah. The well, gun fires off, and, you know, what does Sam do? He doesn't shoot to kill. He shoots him in the hand. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, what a freaking power that move. That is a power move. Just shoots him in the hand. And, and then he's like, pick it up. Pick it up. Yeah, it's... So good. Again, like you said, like the like the non-threatening lines, they're just be like, oh no, if if I follow his instruction, I'm, I'm going, going to, be, to die. I am going to die. If I don't follow his instruction, I'm going to die. I'm really just screwed. So, <laughs> basically, these are the thoughts going through uh, Bogue's head right now. So he crawls his butt into the church. That he burned. That he burned it down. He burned it down. And he starts praying to himself. And I, I'm like, dude, you can't pray in a church that you burned down. Like, right. that, I don't think that's how that works. And neither of us is religious, but I would have to say that God frowns upon you praying in, a, in his house that you tried to burn down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, uh, people are allowed to, to have their faith, but I'm not going to destroy someone's place of worship and then attempt to worship there. It just seems really... <laughs> that's like inviting some bad karma right Exactly. Like, it's just like, I'm not going to burn your house down and then come over and be like, hey, can I get a cup of sugar? Right, yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to hang out? Like, no. <laughs> no, you burned my house down. Yeah. So then, you know, Sam follows him in there and he's a guy, bad guy. He starts crying because, you know... He's facing his own inevitable demise. His imminent demise. Yeah, and then and then <laughs> I think this is one of the scariest things. Uh, Sam said to him, which grabs he, his hand. Grabs his hand, and they're like up near where the altar would be, and he's like, he's like, pray with me. And I was like, oh my god, that's so terrifying. Yeah, he's and like, Bogue like, looks up at him like pray. he's insane. He's like, no, and he's right. He's like, you and me, let's pray right now. And I was like, oh my god, it's terrifying. But uh, yeah, so then basically, then we kind of reveal that. Uh, Boog did have um, Sam's family murdered it's, years it, ago. It's it's Boog. Boog played for the Boog. the Baltimore Orioles Damn in the sixties and seventies. Sorry, Boog. <laughs> he's so terrible. I don't remember his name properly. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, he's like, "Oh, do you remember? You know, my my father. You remember my mother. You remember my sisters." And then then he he pulls down his little scar. He's like, you he's remember like, me? Yeah, and he's got this scar on his neck from I guess where they tried to hang him. And and then he's I guess I think he admits that he does remember, and then uh, Sam begins to strangle him. Mm-hmm. And there's this tense standoff where there's a wild look in Bogue's eyes where he's like, "I'm dying. I, I know I got an extra gun in my, my yeah." My and he's boot. like fumbling with a gun, and you're like, "Oh god!" And then you hear a gunshot, and and you see uh, Sam look shocked, like, "Oh!" And you're like, "No, no, Sam, no!" Mm-hmm. And um, but then you see uh, Emma in the doorway of the church. Mm-hmm. So I was like, she needed that. <laughs> she really wanted to kill that man, and she got to. So, yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah. Another thing that sep- separated uh, this version from the 1960 version is, I, granted, it's it's hard to get into too much character development for for like a like a two hour film. However. They did. I think they did a lot better job than they did in 1960. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Be- because uh, some of the characters you didn't even know their name. Like for like uh, Yul Brenner's character, I had to look that up. Yeah, like I, I think they may have said Chris a couple times, but um, yeah. Yeah. I I do felt like they had more connections between the characters, uh, but I still think they. You know, I do like having this colorful cast. Like they're all pretty different, mm-hmm. which is really nice. It's not like, oh, here are seven cowboys mm-hmm. and they're all smoking a cigar. Yeah, they're a all cigarette. Smoking. They're all white. Going squinting. I mean, there was a lot of squinting in the sun, but it was good western squinting. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And the far fewer lazy dudes lay, uh, like, you know, <laughs> draped over fences. A lot of goats laying around. Oh yeah, there was plenty of goats like lying and l- lazing about in the, in the shade. So, those of you who like goats, 
There's, a, there's least some a, goats. There's a couple, couple goats. A couple of goats in the beginning of the film. A lot of nice looking ponies. Pretty mm -hmm. ponies. And, and for that matter, they really developed the uh, um, dynamic between uh, the characters for that matter. Like there was uh, uh, Billy Rocks mm -hmm. and uh, Goodnight Robichaux. They were kind of a pair. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, we had a discussion like, are they just like really close buds? Because it's clear that, you know... They have a history of they, some kind. They have a history of some kind. Robichaux is a... A mess. A, is, is a, a hot mess. Because of his time in the Civil War. And Billy clearly takes care of him, or tries to keep him on mm -hmm. the level. Which was... It was actually kind of sweet to see. And at least twice in the film, they're passing passing around a joint. Right. <laughs> they're smoking yeah, the reefer. Yeah, I, I think Billy's just trying to help Goodnight keep keep his lid on. Keep his mellow, yeah. Um, so that was, that was nice. I don't know, it was... It was just kind of nice to see that. And, and I think there was an opening for people of um, a certain persuasion that they, they might, in fact, be lovers. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, i got to thank the the makers of the film for that because it's just like, if they're not, if they are, it's not a stereotype. Because so often in film, be like, gays, they have to be like something it's like... a certain way. Flamboyant right? in a certain way. You're just right. like, come on. They left that door open. You yeah, can. exactly. You If you want to make some, some they, hot... They didn't make a stand Slash way. fanfic or whatever the hell it's called. I'd read it. <laughs> <laughs> I I won't. It's not really my jam, but I want to yuck anybody's yums by all means. Go um, go at it, kids. Yeah, but I mean, again, it's the issue with having too not. I don't think it's too many characters, but having so many characters, you can't really flesh them out. Which is kind of nice though, because you can leave. It leaves you some room to um, flesh them out for yourselves mm -hmm. if, if you're into that. Yeah. Uh, if you're a person who really likes having all of your questions answered, you're not going to like it. Right. But I think that's the, the miracle of uh, cinema or, or theater, for that matter. It's just yeah. like, you, you leave it open. You get to see this window. I don't need everything explained. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, 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 you know, I might you as well just, some want, of the mystery I'll of just it. read a historical documentary or something. Right. Um, some notes I have here. Um, oh, unlike the original film, none of the Magnificent Seven stay in town except for the dead ones. Yeah, nobody stayed, but they didn't have that. There was no real romantic, yeah. There's storyline like in the original, where the young kid, the the youngest cowboy, and the one senorita, kind of hit it off, kind of maybe. Oh, that was that was there was, it was that a very was, weak link there. That was very very troubling. So yeah, they didn't they didn't add that in, which I think is fine. I don't think that added anything to the story because I the story is so simple but like pure in a way where it's just like hey. These are innocent people who need protecting, and then you have these group of unlikely heroes who then protect them from evil. Like you don't need to really add anything else on top of that. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. So no, nobody stayed behind. Um, but only, I mean, more of more of the seven lived. No, it was the same number. Four four died in the old film, and four, really? four died in uh, this one. Huh. I thought it was five. Yo, you're right. Oh, I forgot about... Yeah, yeah, four and three make seven. No, no, I forgot about Steve McQueen. I thought he died. But no, him and the man in black, and Yul Brenner left. Mm -hmm. Yul Brenner you're right. and the so, dumb one. It was the same amount. Um, so we don't really know what they did, which I think is also kind of mm -hmm. uh, kind of neat. It, you know, adds to the mystery. It's like they, they came in, they did the right thing, and then they went along. They moved along. Moved away. And, you know, there, there's this great coda in uh, done by... Uh, Emma Cullen, and she's saying, you know, like these these men who who didn't have to do what they did, they, mm -hmm. you know, they were they were magnificent. Yeah, the way she said it was pretty great. Yeah, and the you know, it, movie closes over there, the four mm -hmm. um, crosses in the sunset, mm -hmm. like, oh. with their names written. Yeah, on it. so it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I liked. It was it. touching. You almost teared up because it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, it's definitely a different movie than the nineteen sixty version. Uh, I think they both kind of stand on their own. Um, I don't think you need to have seen one to see the other. To see no, the other. Yeah, I mean, there's certain callbacks between the two films. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones is um, just these stunning vistas of the American West. Absolutely. Yeah. Drop, drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, I know we're going to start keep getting a list together of what we believe a movie needs in order to be considered a Western, but one of them, for, I think for both of us, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, is having some beautiful vistas yeah. of, of the, the Southwest. Yeah, just mountains and plains Forests and, and rivers, deserts. forests, yeah, just... So beautiful like, vistas. This is where this is happening. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah. 
buy right. a ticket to Arizona. Yeah, like now. it gives you a sense of scale and how like remote some of these places are, which are which is really nice. <laughs> so that definitely had that. Um, <clears throat> another thing that I need is uh, I like to have a close up or several as many as possible <laughs> close ups. <laughs> On the uh, cowboys' faces mm-hmm. as they're looking into the sun, or especially if they're like in the uh, main street of town, mm-hmm. squaring off with the bad guy, I gotta have that face. Yeah, give me that face. And I, I think this film also made me realize something that, for me, that's important. Is something that uh, Denzel Washington did is saying a line that is technically non-threatening, mm-hmm. but then because of the circumstances and the way it's delivered, becomes threatening. And for me, that award goes to after uh, Bogue drops his gun when he gets his finger shot off, and uh, Chisholm says, "Pick it up, go on." I said, "Pick it up." <laughs> yeah, like, and, like the first time he says it is like the way you'd say to somebody like if uh, they just you know drop their hat. And, mm-hmm. like, you're running late, like, oh, go ahead, pick it up, like, yeah. go ahead, it's fine. And then it's like, it's not fine. No, it's not fine. It will never be fine. <laughs> right, it'll never be fine again. Because you will not live out of the, the upcoming 15 minutes. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, so, you know, having that, and I think that's something we saw in the 1960 version, too, is mm-hmm. a lot of that, you know, the weight is not in the words, it's in the delivery, or it's in the hand gestures, mm-hmm. it's in the looks, a lot of that is conveyed with the acting, which I, yeah. I really enjoy that. A lot of snappy, simple dialogue. Um, just, man, just all the good Western tropes that it you want. A, it was excellent. None that you don't. It was um, fantabulous. Uh, now, to my one of my favorite parts uh, the of, of this show is uh, the saloon search. Yeah. My dedicated saloon search. What's your favorite saloon? Saloon search. Give us your saloon. So we had three saloons in this film. The first was where we meet uh, Faraday and Chisholm. It's... Um, Personally, that was my favorite. It's very simple. It's mm-hmm. kind of like rough-hewn pine yeah. walls, um, much like my basement. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just a simple bar, you know, liquor bottles behind there, keg of beer, and um, no pretensions. Like, you're going to get, you know, yeah, some baked beans. Some warm ale. You're going to get warm beer. Yeah. Well, like a, a, <laughs> it's like the local prostitute's going to roll her eyes at you. It's pretty ugly prostitutes. It's, too. They all, they, you know, some, some look new to town. Others looked hagged out. Yeah, they've been there a while. <laughs> and uh, that is dedication to historical accuracy. This is some hard living out there. Yep, that's not fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We haven't brought in the telegraph or like, you know, I don't know, public train. They got nothing, man. They got nothing. <laughs> public utilities yet? Yeah. And um, the second, and like I said, that was my favorite because also you open up the swing doors. It opens right onto this beautiful, like, you know, pine trees and... Oh, it was beautiful. Mountains, probably in Colorado somewhere. Yeah, it was just... It was lovely. Incredible. The second saloon is a tent. Yes. <laughs> and I actually kind of like that one. Like, yeah. there is, like, any it given... It's literally t- a tent. It's like, it's like, welcome to my saloon, the tent saloon. We the have Volcano Springs the Saloon. Vol- yeah, the Volcano Springs Saloon. Come on down. We're guaranteed to have a fist fight every half hour. Right. Yeah, those like, people come for that. They're like, ooh, what time is it? Oh, we got to hurry. We're going to miss the fist fight. Come on, bring the kids. Bring the kids. And the third one was, uh, you know, arguably the more opulent of them. It's the... Uh, was it the Elysium? It's the Imperial Saloon. Oh, the Imperial Saloon. Um, which, it was hard for me to get a real handle on it. Uh, they didn't really feature too much of it that you could really see. A lot of it was uh, in the background. It was it was all right. And but my word for in this saloon search definitely has to go to the first one. I don't know. I don't know what you think, eh? Um, I'll agree with that. Mm. I, I will say I didn't pay as much attention to the saloons. Mm. I appreciated the amount of sweat and dirt on everyone. Yes, everyone looked. People were dirty. Like that hard living. Yeah, unlike this in the 1960 version, everyone was pretty clean. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it was clearly they just gotten out of wardrobe and were, you know, <laughs> standing there. And the, I thought the, the costumes were good, too. There was less of a uniformity between the extras. Because mm-hmm. I remember the Mexican town, it was like, oh, everyone's got their Mexican town uniform on. It was like white and ponchos. White, white ponchos. And then, like, in this one, it was like, oh, everybody's dressing differently because that's how real people dress. <laughs> like, also, uh, there was, um, oh, you know what this movie had? That the that uh, 1960 didn't women. Oh yes, we didn't mention that, but yes, there's a lot more um, women in the film. Like it's it feels a lot more lived in. I mean, I know a lot of 50s and 60s movies can definitely kind of feel like a 
mm-hmm. play, like a setup, like you kind of know you're watching a movie. Yeah. Or more modern films try to make it more realistic. So this definitely felt more real, like, oh, that's a town I could visit. And those are the people who live there. Mm. Like, it's not just like, <laughs> oh, all of the women are p- pretty. <laughs> the ones that we see, you know, the men are, are good looking. It's like, no, we got some toothless people, some yeah, old, some old, some old people. ladies, right. yeah. mm-hmm. children, um, children, children, various ages. Yeah. So it, it definitely felt more lived in, which was nice. So. Yeah, really, really gets you. You really feel like you're there. And one of the main characters was a lady. Um, yeah, and uh, it's and she's she, she has no romantic interest except revenge. Yeah, that is her only romantic interest is to <laughs> avenge her husband. Exactly, which that, she does. So she, good in, on you. In in beautiful fashion, she does shoot um, that man. Uh, oh, uh, at one point, um, Faraday asks what huero means, and uh, well, I didn't know either. Did it, you look it, it up? It does. Oh, that's the wrong. That's the wrong window. Wero is a white guy. Well, okay. Uh, according to uh, findwords.info. Wait, that sounds legit. Wero, sometimes spelled other ways, Huero. is a word used in Mexico and some parts of Central and South America to note a, don't denote a person of fair complexion or with blonde, light brown, or red hair. Well, that definitely describes Chris Pratt. Yes, so. it does. Andy Dwyer in The Magnificent Seven. That would be, would have been funnier. <laughs> I don't think it would have been. <laughs> It'd have to be Burt Macklin, cowboy. Burt Macklin, U.S. Marshal. U.S. Marshal. Um, F.B. Cowboy. FB. <laughs> uh, one thing I wrote down here is, uh, you know, uh, Faraday tells Cullen that, like, oh, for the coming gunfight, you're going to want to wear pants. And did she wear pants? She though? did wear pants. Oh, okay. And I gotta say, I like pants. It's popular now. You see it all over the internet. But like, pants suck. No, you're wearing the wrong pants. Get pants that fit. <laughs> pants are great. They cover your legs and keep you from getting cold. Yeah, but if I'm in the comfort of my own home, I don't need pants weighing me well, down. That, well, that's different. That's I mean, if different. I'm outside, yes, pants are the way to go. Right, it, it bothers me when like people are being like, I hate wearing pants outside. Like, like No. <laughs> Stop getting cheap pants. I, get, didn't, I didn't realize you felt so strongly about pants. Get better pants. I mean, I can stand <laughs> beside that. I can definitely, I can get behind that. Uh, if, you, if you're complaining that pants suck, then you're clearly, you know, you need to, you know, get sized. Uh, but yeah, that was just, that is just a great western. Yeah, that's a good western. I'm definitely gonna put that up um, there. I know we've only had two episodes so far, so the list is pretty short. But, I, I, uh, I, I, for me, I there. think it's a solid six. Yeah, I'm, now I'm trying to think if I like it better than the original, and oh, I think I do. Hands down, I like I it think better. I do. It's got, I mean, it's got more dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the characters. Got more interesting characters, if you ask me. Yeah, we got to know them a little, uh, mm-hmm. a lot better in this film than in the first one. So, mm-hmm. which I think is part of the fun of this film because you have yeah. seven cool guys, and you're like, S- let's. Seven. They're supposed to be magnificent, so let's see it. And I feel like I can only think of for, for the 1960 film. I can only think of, like, four of the Magnificent Seven. Like, who are the other three? I know. I was having trouble <laughs> thinking of it, too. I was like, we well, got Yul Brenner, you got Stephen Queen. Uh, you've got uh, Josh nice. Brolin. Jo- old Josh Brolin. <laughs> uh, there was the one guy who thought there were diamonds in the mountains. He was, like, even a, he was like a non-character. Yeah, like, that was his only character trait. was like, oh, I bet there's gold hidden under a table somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> Which part of me is like... Dude, if they had gems and diamonds, they wouldn't have this problem because they'd be rich and they'd probably have their own hired security to keep them safe. The government would would maintain a fort out there. They wouldn't be starving and paying you in freaking guacamole. (laughs) It's in guacamole and like like tortillas. But he's like, ah, there's there's got to be diamonds. Uh, So this diamond guy, knife nap guy, who's always throwing knives and napping. How many is that? Hold on, Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner. Steve McQueen. McQueen. Uh. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. <laughs> Knife nap guy. Uh, Gems in them Nar Hills guy. Uh, uh, idiot kid. Idiot kid and city slicker. Uh, yeah, not, not, not Jack, Jack Lemmon. Lemon. Not Jack Lemmon. Rob, Rob, uh, Robert Vaughn? Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. That's seven. Napoleon Solo. So yeah, <laughs> Napoleon Solo. So yeah, we didn't really get to know a lot of them all that. Like Steve McQueen, like the only reason I really remembered his character is because he's Steve McQueen. Like, yeah. He really didn't do anything. Same thing with Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner is just like, I wear black and I tell people to, to come help with this town. And then I shoot people. And shoot people. So they really didn't get much of a backstory or character or personalities really mm-hmm. um so this was really nice like everyone seemed pretty fleshed out like it felt like you were peering in on their lives a little less one note because mm-hmm. um, they did bring back the ptsd 
for the city slicker character. Yeah, we're good at Roba show. But they, but they, they gave a reason for it. The other one, it was just like he had like a nightmare, and they were like, what's your problem, man? And then that was all they did. That, that was it. That was it. That, they didn't talk about it anymore. I was like, okay. Right. Like, well, it was. it's not like you really need to flesh it all out all that much. You just be like, oh, yeah, he's a Civil War vet. Like, like that makes sense. Like, easily the most bloodiest conflict ever seen on the North American continent. Yeah, and they did more than just have like one scene about it. Like, it was actually a bit of a plot thread, and it was the reason that he... At one point, he left because he's like, "I can't do it." And so I was the, like, it "Makes yeah. sense. I'm <laughs> with you." And even more so, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but in the initial um, shootout at Rose Creek, it, it shows Robichaux just kind of like, like he can't shoot. He can't shoot. He's having difficulty like focusing, and uh, you could kind of hear like an echoing sound effect yeah. of the gunfire, and right. it sounds less like like you know like old west gunfight and more like you know like civil war where like well it's whizzing and like, yeah. like um uh, uh, volley fire yeah yeah uh, yeah definitely and and that was also another scene where you, you got to see billy like kind of standing up for him because mm-hmm. like chris pratt's like you know shoot that guy what, what are you doing and yeah just it, shoot him shoot and him billy comes Come on, up shoot like him. oh it was jammed and I was like, mm, I don't think it was jammed. I think he was just saying that, so they didn't. I think like Robichaux it. was jammed. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, definitely would recommend. It was a good film. It was nice to see a lot of actors in a western that you don't get to see in westerns, and I'd like to see all of them in more westerns. Mm-hmm. Especially Denzel Washington. He just he just has I the just walk like his and movies. the look. Yes. <laughs> I'll just watch him in movies like. Oh, I want to see Denzel Washington make breakfast. Now, I wasn't a huge fan of him with a mustache, but I think it's hard to be a man in a western and not have a mustache. Like, <laughs> yeah, I th- I like that mustache. That's fine. I mean, look, we all have our tastes, but <laughs> I prefer Denzel without a mustache. Yeah, but it worked. Such it did like. work. So, so, what would you give it on a scale of six? Six, six shooters. Pew, pew. Six out of six six shooters. <laughs> six guns. Six guns of fire. That's a lot of bullets. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll give it a five. I think mm-hmm. it's not like the best movie ever made, but it was really fun to watch and I liked it a lot. Yeah. So. I have given up on keeping track of gunfire. Uh, too many. There's too many, and they had a Gatling gun. Yeah. I was like, okay, infinite. Inf- infinite bullets. Lots of bullets. More bullets than yeah. But good gunfights. Good dialogue. Good characters. Yeah. If you okay. just look like want a stereotypical good western, this is the place to go. That's a good yeah. If you're in the in, in, hankering for a western, this has got all the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Quality ingredients. It. Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched it twice now in the last two months, and I could watch it again right now. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. So, so that's uh, 2016's Magnificent Seven. Uh, highly recommend. Yep. If 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 you're kind of on the uh, fence about westerns, this is a great place to yeah. start. If you've never seen a western, which I don't know how you've living, lived, lived your life this way. Yeah, exactly. If you give this one a try. If you've lived anywhere, if you've ever been to a cinema, you've had to have been in the vicinity of a, of a western. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this I believe will conclude this episode. Next episode, we're going to be pl- watching a movie that neither of us has seen. Exactly. We're going to we're going to play a little roulette here and uh We'll see what we come up with. Pretty excited to share that with you. Absolutely. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, I'm Stuart Kaufman. And I'm Amy McLeod. Yeah!